Welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Welcome to the April 22nd show. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, bringing 29 years of handicapping expertise to the table. Vegas runner, a genuine Las Vegas professional batter, living on his winnings. And Stephen Nover, a sports betting journalist whose basketball specialty is the NBA. Okay, let's get straight to it. Remember, each week we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. Let's the first segment this week, we're going to talk NBA playoffs. A couple games have been played. What have we seen? What can we learn from it as batters? In the second segment, we're going to be talking baseball, early season. What have we learned? And third segment, we're going to be talking um, free picks, free picks. And uh, Vegas Runner has been on a hot streak, and hopefully he'll keep it going. He's got a big fight pick, and he's been killing the fight picks. Okay, first up. Anyone jump in? What's the main observation from the first couple NBA playoff games? So far, it's been all overs. 13 games have been played heading into tonight, and 11 games have gone over the total. Okay, so when you say tonight, we're uh, taping on Wednesday, so this is uh, all stats will be on uh, Tuesday's games and before. Correct. Uh, it's a case in point that, you know, Vegas, I believe, and I wrote a blog about it yesterday. You can check it out at uh, the pregame blogs i mentioned that uh, vegas knows that the sharps at this time of the year generally look to unders and i think they've over adjusted the lines in this first round but the observation that i've made is most of these games have been blowouts and when you get blowouts the games generally will tend to go over because the teams will start playing less defense um, later in the game. I okay, think now there's there's really two theories on that and i'm and, and i would tend to actually disagree with that and again, each game has its own dynamic, but it strikes me that if a game's a blowout, you see two things. One is the the, the leading team just really quits press, not pressing as in defensively, but stops pushing the ball in any way. They just want the game to get over with. Number two, there's no likelihood of fouling late in the game, which is one of the key things that throws a game over uh, it, when it's a close game. So you're saying on one side, and, and I think it's a valid point, is defensive intensity goes down. I think my two points are valid. W- where's the balance at? Any, anyone's thoughts? Go ahead, Stephen. You're the NBA expert. What's your thought? If you're betting it over, do you want a close game or do you want a do you want a blowout? Well, RJ, I'm so jaded. It just seems that when I have the over, the subs come in and and they uh, don't score at all. And then if I have the under, the subs are firing up threes. So I, I'm I'm real jaded with that. I remember on a big Sunday night regular season game when the Pistons played the Cavaliers. Um, like midway through the third quarter, I had an over like a 180 or something. It was on like a 226 pace. And the last, it was a blowout. The Cavaliers blew them out. In the last six minutes, they brought in all these subs. And the Detroit subs just went around firing up wild shots, couldn't make anything. And the Cleveland subs just milked the 24 second clock. 
So if you're going to get into that deep of a handicap, you got to check the benches. Uh, do some of these teams have gunners? Like in the Celtics case, you know, you look at their bench, and there's Eddie House. I mean, Mr. Over. I mean, there's certain over-under players on the bench, and, um, you know, that, that's the way I'd kind of look at it, but I'm real jaded with that. Mark, I mean, what's your thoughts on, on my two points? Your two points are valid. My thing is, though, that the defensive intensity controls the complexion of the game. Uh, when you don't have the defense there, as Stephen pointed, you are going to have people that are going to be firing up threes. And in many cases, they're going to be uncontested threes. So teams are going to get open looks. And I know benches aren't as strong as the starters, but we're talking about the NBA. These guys can score. I look for a game, if you have it more competitive, each possession is going to be life and death down the stretch. Now, your point about the foul shots is valid. If they get into the situation in the final two minutes where they're over two possessions, then they're going to foul. If you're you know, at five points or less, you're going to play hard defense straight up. But sometimes you see that, that two-possession rule changes once you get under 30 seconds. Sometimes you'll see 12 points in the last 30 seconds. You can, and again, going back to my very first statement, I think Vegas has over-adjusted the numbers to start with, knowing that the Sharps, you know, and it's one of the points I made. There's so many shows out there like our own where we're educating the public. Yeah, but it, it's not quite the same. It, it's not quite the same, <laughs> but in look at the I mean, totals. Do, do they have Vegas Runner? Do they have Vegas Runner? Well, you know, Vegas Runner's got a following, and when he speaks, people listen. But we've talked for a couple weeks heading into the playoffs that the defense takes center stage. Do they have sound effects like a cash register? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. All right. BR, jump in. For myself, honestly, I, I won't go in and look at to bet a game over unless I expect both teams to score. I've always lived by that motto. If I'm going to bet an over, I'm not looking for my the one favorite to blow the other team out and take care of all the scoring for me. If I'm going to bet an over, i got to expect both teams to be able to score. A, a lot of times when they are blowouts, sure, they'll tend to go over once in a while, but I think that the case isn't as much as when you have both teams being able to score. Yeah, I tend to agree with what you said. If you have more of a competitive game, both teams scoring, you have more of a tendency for the game to go over down the stretch than when it's a blowout. You got to depend on a lot of second string people to get the job done. Now, as I think about it, I agree with Marco in the following situation. If it's a 10, 12, 15 point game where there's still that sense that the 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 team that's losing could come back. You, there, there's still some intensity. There's still some pace. Once you get those 25 or 30 point, I mean, just a real blowouts. Those tend to go under, from what I've seen. You'll see the team score 20 and 15 combined. You know, 35 well, combined in the four. The perfect example of that is one of the two games that did go under the total was the Atlanta Miami game, and that game was done at the half. It was 20 points at the half, and then they come out and opened a third quarter and kicked it out even bigger. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But the case in point, like the Portland-Houston game in game one, Houston came out like a house on fire and opened up a quick 10-point lead and did it in, I mean, they had like 50 points scored, you know, first quarter. So, the, uh, go ahead, Steve. RJ, the, the thing is with the playoffs, uh, a lot of these are going to go the, the, the full length of the series, seven games, and these teams have to be smart. If they're getting blown out, they're not going to try to, you know, try to win a game that's not winnable. They're going to put their subs in, and they don't necessarily want to give extended minutes to their number six and number seven players. So I would think that would work in favor of an under. Okay, so remember, one of the things that is a distinction of the 
uh, preview show here is we tend to look forward. What can we learn from what happened? So, Marco, great point. 11 of 13 over. You've got a great blog up on that. You can go to pregame.com and click blogs and see that. What have we learned? Is there something fundamentally different this year that's causing these games to go over? Or is it randomness, which means that we have great value on the unders in the next few games? Which one is it? I believe it's total randomness with a bit of over-adjustment early on, like Marco said, because they know the Sharps are going to tend to go under. The difference is that we're only have a sample. We have a sample size of 13 games. And unlike the NCAA um, tournament, where the tendency was over. Remember that? Early on they went over and it continued. Here in the NBA playoffs, we're going to have such a huge sample size that I don't think 11-2 and two is that relevant right now. I think you can't jump to conclusions because it's I'm already... Certainly, but it's certainly something that the betting public has their eye on is going to be affected by. Oh, absolutely. And, and it, it might still go on for another few days. But as you see, the books are already adjusting. Tonight's game, each total is two point, points plus higher than it was the other night. And unless there's a good reason for that, that means there's value on the end. Exactly. So they're not just going to sit there and, and let you beat them over, over, over and have it be 30 to, to, to 10. You know, I mean, 11 and 2 is, is a great streak and you can make money off it. But if it gets to 22 and 4, I doubt that's going to happen. I, I really just can't see that happening. Well, that's exactly the whole point of what I did in a blog. And I don't want to dissect the whole blog, but the value is going to be down the road whenever they adjust it back the other way. And in every year, most categories are going to fall between 46 and 54% of either over, under, favorite, or dog. If the sample size is big enough. Right. So you've got such a great start one way, you know it's going to come back the other way, and the value is going to be there. It's like trying to buy an undervalued stock. Uh, agree. Well, what I've learned is if you go into the playoffs with a great regular season record, don't play in the playoffs. That's what I've learned. Right, which, which Steven's segueing into uh, the second main topic that, that I want to discuss is I think a lot of really good handicappers – have uh, have not done so well these first few games. And uh, the response to that is... Okay, so now, I personally have... have, have um, I'm actually in... in you know, they always say you got to talk the good streaks and the bad streaks. I've lost seven straight bets. Seven straight. VR, I know you had a bad day yesterday. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, VR, let's uh, let's talk on that. Is Do you feel like you just don't got a feel for this? Absolutely not, because I went into yesterday 3-1 and one in that playoff. So I, I thought I had a real good grasp of it. And if I'm not getting blown out, if I lose my game by a half a point, a total of two and a half points, I lost both my games. You know, I don't think I, I was that off in the handicapping. Now, if I would have had uh, under and the game went over by 40 points, that's a different story. But when you have plus 11 and a half and it loses by 12, you know, you're going to get your share of those kind of close wins as you are losses. Now, one of the, one of the, th- in the long run, one of the things I tend to always repeat is the only way to stop winning with winning information is to stop batting. And the reason people stop batting is the inevitable losing streaks. They react to them. Now, as a handicapper, though, you're a human being. What do you tend to do when you either have an extended bad run, and then we'll go around the horn here real quick, an extended bad run, or if you have just a really bad day? 
How do you tend to differ the next day? When I have a really bad day, I brush it off and forget about it as quickly as humanly possible because you just know it, it's part of the process of getting to where you got to go. It's the inevitable. And the quicker you get over it, the quicker you can get back to what makes you a successful and winning sports better. If you dwell on it too much, you start second guessing yourself. You start looking for things that didn't work for you might not have worked for you in the past you have to stick with what works now i'm talking about if you're a winning sports better if you're a losing sports better it's a different story but if you deep down in your heart know you've paid your bills betting sports for your entire life then you have to stick with what works for you you know and for me i'll have a losing week a losing month it'll be a losing year i know that comes with it that's the inevitable but i'm not going to change what's worked for me throughout my life throughout my career just add to it and try to improve now i think we all would agree with that and that's the best practices standard response which is true steven as an analytical handicapper i'm sure you do a lot of that is there any way that you look at your uh, results and try to learn from them? Because clearly you can be a winning capper, but not a perfect capper. Well, definitely, RJ. And, and before I um, touch on, on, on that, I just want to say we're all public handicappers, and it's very flattering to have people pay for your opinions. But the flip side is, and I'll use cite myself as an example, I'm having a terrible playoff run. and, and you just After a massively good run at the end of the regular season. The yeah. entire season yeah. Entire destroyed it. Yeah, well, thank you. But uh, you just feel terrible because in my case, uh, a couple of the games have fallen in the mix, but most of my losses have been bad losses. They've been flat out the wrong handicap, wrong side, and it's gut-wrenching knowing that you're costing people money, that they trust you. And that's the flip side. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I want to be a public handicap or a tout, whatever the expression is. That's the flip side. When you lose and you lose bad, if you're any kind of human being, it just tears at your gut. Because and, you're betting uh, these games. Yeah, but um, that's that's secondary. You I know? agree, It's man. when I people, uh, uh, you know, are, are putting up probably maybe more than you're betting. You know, you don't know. And I uh, it's just um, they're losing their bet. Yeah, on that's top not of happening what they, with you, VR. Is I it? don't think so. But, <laughs> but uh, not to interrupt. But, but Stephen makes a great point too. Is in some when you add up a, a public capper like Stephen has a big following. Is even if he was a huge batter, it's not going to be the same amount as all of his followers combined. I you know I I lose my money. I'm punished. But is it fair that other people are punished? You know for following my picks. Maybe you can say, well, they they won with you during the regular season, but. Uh, uh, to me, it, it doesn't lift, lift the burden. It, it's tough. But I'll, I'll address your question, uh, RJ, about do you learn things? Do you learn from your losses? Um, mentally, I think it's important. I've stepped back. I'm not playing a game today. It's the first time I'm sitting out. But I'm going to study. I'll get back involved at some point. I'm trying to really study my losses. And a couple of them in the recent games, game two of the um, Bulls and the Celtics, I tried to make an underwork. No, it doesn't work. Wrong handicap. The bottom line is, talking about the Celtics, no Garnett, no James Posey from last year. They can't play defense now, and they cannot step it up and play defense that they need to do in the playoffs, and now they've lost Poe. Another bad loss I had was with the— um, Now, let me jump in a quick question. Yeah. You say trying to make an underwork. Now, is that an extension of what we've been talking about in regards to— that the, the everything's going over. We know that. Marco okay. cited the figures, 11-3 to three to the over. Their first game went over. 
so I'm trying to come in there now, going against public, maybe the public grain there, and, and trying to make there's it there's value work. with that, as we talked about. I, I thought there was, but there wasn't. It was a bad handicap. And now I, I try to go against the grain in game two with the Jazz and the Lakers. Uh, they went over, uh, as it turned out, barely, but they did go over in that game one. I figure I'll make an under work with them in game two because – I know the Jazz don't play defense, but they're going to make it half court. They have to make it half court. They can't beat the Lakers up tempo. And I think the Lakers were very upset about the way they their lack of defense in the second half of that game one. So I tried to make an underwork there. No, wrong handicap. Bottom line is the Utah Jazz cannot play defense. Their guys are not capable of playing uh, top playoff caliber defense. Okay, now... First of all, I think the candor and honesty of what Steven's saying is you can hear the emotion. This guy cares. I think that's a great quality, and that's something at pregamepros.com. We only try to deal with handicappers who are betting their own games for real money because we want them to feel it. And a guy like Steven feels his money, and he feels his followers' money, and I think that's a sign that you're going to get maximum effort from him at all times. Now, Marco, you've been around the longest. One of the new things we're going to start doing on the podcast is is we're going to talk about the reality. When you started handicapping in 1979, we'll be just saying things like things like, did you know computers weighed 50 pounds or like things like that. Now, so the <laughs> took up a whole room. <laughs> the first thing we'll say is, did you know Dave Parker was the best baseball player when you started handicapping? I still liked Roberto Clemente. He's still the best athlete I ever seen. Right, but again, we're talking about 79. But anyway. With Sex all, was safe. Drugs were good for you. <laughs> with, with all that history, how do you, I mean, you've had, you know, I'm sure over the 30 years, massive losing streaks. What can you add? They happen. There's no question about it. And VR answered it the best when you have to stay your normal course. If you're a proven winner, they will win. If you have more than one losing season in a row, then it's time to look and readjust. But if you have a proven track record and what you do works, you stay with it. But you make adjustments along the way. And one thing but, I'll point No, you don't adjust, though. I mean, like, I'll give you an example. We, I'm not a handicapper in the strictest sense. We talk theory sometimes. You have, you've had a great run in the last 12 months. But specifically, you like late-season NBA teams – uh, that when, when neither team has a motivation, you like to go over. Right. That that went uh, at least over three, I think, end of the year this year. Did you look at that and say, has something changed, or have you said, hey, it's the randomness of zero and three? Well, what happened that I saw in a little bit being stubborn with it, I kept banging away at it. Vegas again listens to things that people write about and talk about, and they made the totals on those meaningless games way off the norm. If you looked at the regular season meetings when these teams played earlier, and normally if you go down the list, every over-under is going to be within four points, five points of all season. All they will do is adjust at a point or two based on the last game. When we got to the end of the season, there were 15-point differences from what the line was in a regular season. Vegas knows that that angle's out there now, and they've over-adjusted it. And, and that's the whole point we talk about is a system, a trend like the zigzag, like this late season stuff is only good when it's not accounted for in the line. And that's why having power rankings allow you to know, hey, this is what the line's supposed to be. 
if it's adjusted, there's something going on. It may be they know that this I mean, trend, or, right. or it I could mean, be whatever. Last year they covered by such big numbers, and if you recall, not to blow my own horn, but when I did the game, I had my total of the year in the final couple days of the season last year. I won the total by 80 points. Remember the Milwaukee Chicago game at the end of the year last year. Vegas just over adjusted it, and I was too stubborn to back off of it. And, and again, for three games, I mean, that's not being very stubborn. It sounds like you've thought it through and you're going to be ready for next year. Right. All right. Now, last, uh, now segment two, remember, we're going to be talking baseball playoffs. But before we move on, any other thoughts? And let's really be specific. What have we learned, if anything, that can help our listeners win the upcoming games? This year is a lot different than last year. What we saw last year was the home teams were not only winning, they were covering the spread. And there was a time when every home team won and covered for like an eight, ten day period last year. That's not happening right now. And if you remember when we last week's podcast, I said, well, don't be afraid to bet the money line if you like the dog. The point spread didn't come into play till Monday with these games. The money line if you like the dog. Yeah. Do not be afraid. To bet. Remember we were talking about bet the winner and a lot of times you're going to cash the ticket in the NBA playoffs. And that's exactly what happened. And the point spread didn't come into play till Monday for the first time. So I think this year that's where the difference is, that even though the home teams are 9-4 and four straight up, they're only 6-7 and seven against the spread. Where last year when they were 9-4 and four straight up, they were but, also... But isn't that contrary to what you just said? Is What you're saying is the home teams are winning more than 2 out of 3, but they're not covering, which means the, the point spread is a, a key factor. No, when them... the the. The four dogs, the four teams that won, the the dogs that won, um, straight one up, out, one out, one right. out. He's right. saying the line was no factor until Monday. Until game. Monday, when on Saturday and Sunday, the none, the line didn't come into okay. play. Okay, and 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 Monday, Tuesday is because what you're saying is they're nine and four at home, but only so there's at least three games now in which the point spread has mattered for the home team. That's why they're not nine and four ATS. No, the 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 home yeah the favorites are eight and five right now the favorites are eight and five ATS uh, straight up I mean mm-hmm. but only six and seven against the spread okay but not the the home teams are who's nine and four straight all right up. so the takeaway is what that unlike last year home teams are winning but they're not covering the spread as often as they were last year you have a split right now you're you're it's at fifty fifty of just about six and seven ATS whether you took the the dog or the favorite. Okay. Unlike last year, where the favorites were nine and four straight up and nine and four against the spread. Okay, so any other thoughts that we can just take away and say, really look hard at this? We've already said look towards the under. VR saying don't be afraid to play the dogs on the money line. Any other thoughts? Well, maybe pay close attention to injuries. Uh, I, I was tempted to to play Orlando in, in game two as the zigzag. Uh, getting revenge, but the, the the line is too high, so I can't get involved. However, uh, another thing holding me back is Richard Lewis and Turkolo. They are banged up. Are they really hurt? I want to see another game of them. And, and so don't don't overlook injuries at this stage. Is there any other specific players you're looking at injury-wise hard? Those two come right to mind. Um, the one thing I'll say to, that I'll ask you, like we, you're saying that you were considering Orlando tonight, but you think the line's too high. In what regards do you do you think they should have brought it down because they lost the first game? I think they're thinking that the the public is going to play Orlando. They are going to play the zigzag. They they know this is the series for Orlando. They must win, or they're gonna they're not they're gonna get upset. 
And so I think they are the right side, but uh, they've got injuries and uh, laying uh, double digits. I think what ten and a half. I mean, it's they're, just, they're laying ten and a half, which is uh, I believe that's what they were laying in. Or they were laying nine and a half in the first game and went to ten. Right, but after that first game, Marco, when I just saw that this is, team did not look good entering the playoffs, they blew a big lead in the in the first game. I, I don't trust their point guard situation. It's just. I'm not going to lay a bad number with all those uh, components against them. And if them. you think about it, is if you're laying 10.5-11, you're saying you think this line should be 14. You, you at least want those three points. Right. And to think a line should be 14, I, I mean, I, you don't ever see a 14-point line during the regular season. I mean, the worst team against the best team, you, you hardly see that. So the question is, this is a playoff team. I, it's hard to imagine you think they should be getting uh, you know, 14 and thus, I see your point with the value there. Yeah. Well, so. you know, if anything, it would get to the point I have to go the other way and take the Sixers. Uh, I tried that in game two with uh, the Mavericks and the Spurs. I thought the Mavericks were the better team. All of a sudden, they're getting six and a half. I thought the line should be three and a half. Well, the zigzag worked in that instance. The Spurs buried them. And I had talked to VR by email yesterday after the conclusion of, of Monday's games. And when you had two teams on the same night, you had the home team down 0-1 you know, in Boston, in San Antonio. And in my mind, I like whenever there's two games that are in the exact same situation, I try to say both aren't going to get there. It's going to be a dog and a favorite because Vegas, that's all they, they care. If they go 50%, they made money uh, with the, the VIG. And I said, which dog looks the easiest to take? And to me, if Chicago wins without Gar, you know Garnett being there and getting that big number, I thought Boston was the harder favorite to swallow and I put Boston out as a play on Monday, and I felt San Antonio being the history and the big name, and nobody ever really takes Dallas seriously because they don't play defense, I felt that San Antonio looked like the obvious favorite to bounce back, and you know I was wrong with you know that kind of thinking. Okay, so I think it's been a good discussion. It's been an honest discussion, and if you want to win long-term, you're going to have times you're losing, so it's an important discussion. Okay, we're going to be right back with segment two, and we're going to be talking baseball. All right, guys, we're back, segment two. Okay, we're going to do a quick uh, clarification on the thing we were talking about with Vegas Runner. One of the things you got to remember is when you're talking advanced concepts in the moment, sometimes it's not going to come out exactly clear. One of the things we try to do is dialogue and go back and forth on it, the real takeaway he was talking about when it comes to money lines versus ATS, and VR, tell me if, if, if I got this straight. 13 games so far. In 10 of them, the spread did not matter. Either the dog won outright or the favorite won by more than the leg. 10 of 13 times. Correct. If that continues, it means two things. One, if you like the favor, don't be afraid to lay the points. If you like the dog, don't be afraid to take the big payoff on the money line. Absolutely, 100%. Okay. All right. Now, baseball. This is going to be our second segment. Remember, in our third segment, free picks, is the season's been going on now. A lot of action. It's funny. If you go to sportsbookspy.com, you can actually see the bet percents on the number of bets on Team A or Team B. Uh, our little tagline with that is who's betting what. And it's funny is at the end of the NBA season, the regular season, is the baseball action was far and away more than the, the late-season NBA action. And now that the playoffs are going on, the biggest baseball games have about the same amount of action as these NBA playoff games. A lot of money being bet on baseball. 
We all know that if you can get the 10 cent line, that it's really half juice with baseball. And if you're looking for an out with a 10 cent line, you can go to pregameaction.com that has the best deals from the trusted books. So I just want to throw to our esteemed roundtable, what have we learned about baseball so far? And specifically, what have we learned that's going to help us win in the upcoming days? Well, I think there's uh, we have some new parks into play, uh, the new Yankee Stadium, and we've already found out that that is a real hitter's park, and it could g- get into even more of a hitter's park once they finish tearing down the old Yankee Stadium. And uh, we've also learned the uh, Mets' new park is a pitcher's park. And so I think this is going to be significant for, for betting totals this year. Now, do you think the line uh, with the Yankees specifically, it's gotten a lot of press, the high scoring. Do you think the lines are being adjusted already, or is there still value? Yeah, they've been adjusted. We can thank the Cleveland Indians with their 22 <laughs> runs for that. Uh, once you know that comes out, yeah, you're going to get an adjustment. Okay, so, um, and, and it goes to show you, is your ability to identify trends before the public has embraced them is where a vast majority of value is. And uh, Baseball, Marco. Well, the, one of the biggest surprises, uh, probably to the public, but not to me, is last year you had Tampa Bay come out of nowhere and make it to the World Series. And where are they at so far this year? Sitting at five and nine in the basement in the American League East. So many times it happens every year when a team comes from nowhere. So if you're going to take that uh, preview for football, Arizona Cardinals will have a dismal year this year. <laughs> okay, VR, what's your thinking? Uh, the one good thing is it's still early on. I mean, the, the all these teams are within three or four games of each other, except for Washington, which is seven games out. Everyone's still got a shot. Um, the, the biggest thing I've noticed is that these young pitchers that threw a lot more than they should have last year are coming out and getting rocked. And they're big names, they're laying big chalk, and they're going down. And that's one of the, the handicapping techniques that I love to use early on, and I think this will last at least a month into the season until the odds makers begin to adjust because you still see guys like Cole Hamels coming out at minus 170, minus 200. When in the first time in their career, the guy threw 220 innings last year. And before that, he never threw more than 60. So now you got a lot of these tired arms. And it's, it's uh, and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays are the number one example of that. There's a bunch of young arms that got him there last year. And all of a sudden, they're tired, weary arms. And, and the teams are just not able to, to pick, go through. You know, they're not getting their seven innings. And now the bullpen's coming into play. And that's the number one thing you need to look at, bullpens this early on. And the teams with the dominant bullpens are at top of their divisions. Okay, now I wanted to touch on actually the idea of these overrated starters that have a specific reason maybe they're not pitching well. But I can't let you go without saying you're saying bullpens are the most important thing this time of year. Explain what you mean by that. Because right now, the the game has changed. The starters no longer go seven or eight innings. When I handicap now, I I break down the bullpen three ways. An overall bullpen, my middle relief, and my closer. You can't just have one bullpen statistic anymore because pitchers now, a a good game is is considered going six innings, giving up two runs. Now, why why more early in the year is the bullpen significant? because I, I think later because the pitchers aren't informed yet and they're even even late in the year they don't go deep but they're even going less deep now uh, yeah because of muscle memory like they say for the pitchers as the season goes on they start getting used to the five or six day rest 
and they're able to go a little longer where right now, and you see they're not leaving guys out there to get hung. If, if They don't want to ruin your confidence this early on in the season. So if you give up three, four, five runs and you got runners on, they're taking you out. Where later on in the season, they're going to let you stay out there and get your lumps. Now they're still building confidence in the team. Now do you consider the prior day's action of the bullpen when you're grading a game where let's say the closer goes uh, a full inning and throws a lot of pitches he might not be available how much do you consider that only with the closer and the setup man if he went too long uh, because the bullpen now consists of so many righties lefties situational um pitchers and and, uh, bullpen players that I think that what you need to concentrate on that is if you get your closer and he has to go a little too long Okay, now I'm going to shift over to our other two uh, esteemed experts. Um, one thing I'm going to start really drilling home on this podcast, and, and, and to be honest, this is an area that I feel like that you guys as the listeners have fallen a little short. And remember, this is a team effort here, and we're all helping each other, is every time we have our weekly preview show, we put a, pod, a, a thread up in the forums. You go to pregame.com, click forms. And what I want that thread to be is a discussion thread on this podcast. I want you to tell us what you liked. I want you to tell us what could be. You could say, I'm sick of those sound effects, though we're not doing too many of them. Um, Anything you say, pro and con, we're going to take very seriously. But usually we get a ton of feedback, and we know we're, we're having a ton of listeners, but the feedback isn't there. So jump in the forums. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And, I mean, on a weekly basis, we'd really like to hear it. And additionally, continue the discussion. VR, we just touched on a lot of advanced bullpen stuff. Ask him a question. Tell your opinion. That's what we want to move this just away from a podcast to continue the discussion in the community. Okay, so any other thoughts on baseball? Well, I'm going to take one continuation from VR, and it's a perfect example um, about the bullpens. The worst team in baseball right now that everybody's making the joke about is Washington, how bad they are. The thing with Washington is, especially in their home games, they've been in every ball game that they've played this year. Um They've played five one-run games, and they're two and three in the one-run games. But they've blown big leads uh, or leads late where the bullpen blew up. After Sunday's loss, the manager was so upset. He he sent everybody to the minor leagues. They They called up three or four guys. I mean, we're talking the second, third week of the season. And since then, they've won two games. He made such a drastic move. So the public perception early is Washington's bad. As a dog, you can catch some value with this team because, remember, nobody is ever going to be as bad as they look in their worst, and they're not going to be as good as they look in their best. They're going to find that middle ground. And I did lose a couple, and the only reason I know it is I lost a couple competitive games with Washington where I had the leads, and then they blew it late. And those are frustrating, but when you're taking dogs – you know, you don't have to win 60% of the time when you're taking a dog. Okay, and I think you touched on one of the foundational um, concepts that we discuss again and again, which is when there's an extreme result, in this case Washington's losing, is it an aberration? Is, is there a cause for it which is is not going to extend into the future? Or is there a fundamental reason it's happening? And I think we just touched on two points, one from VR, one from Marco, and you can see both sides of the coin. On Marco's point, he's saying this team looks horrible. They're not quite as bad as they seem. Thus, there's value playing on them. 
VR saying sometimes a pitcher can fundamentally change. Pitching, starting pitching, is such a fragile thing. The arm on a major league pitcher is so fragile that you can see the best pitchers in baseball go through long stretches where something they're just not right. Quote unquote is what you hear the the guys in the in in the game say. The pitcher's not right. And then all of a sudden one day he's right. Is when you have the lines maker not adjusting for these marquee pitchers, when there's a fundamental reason they're just not right, there can be some real value there. So you see both sides of the equation. When the short term is not true and when and and it's not but it's being adjusted for, that's a case Marco believes with Washington. And another case where the short term is true, but it's not being adjusted for, and thus going against those pitchers has a lot of value. Okay, uh, any other thoughts? Go ahead, Steve. Well, I just look at some of these pitchers on the Major League roster. There are so many teams nowadays, and there are not enough quality pitchers. So this is going to sound very simplistic, but again, in baseball, there's no point spread. You just want to win the game. Whenever I see an Adam Eaton, <laughs> or like yesterday, I got kind of bit by it, a Russ Ortiz, or some of these guys that do not deserve to be on a Major League roster, I'm going to fade them. Unless it's an unbelievable, horrible price, but if it's uh, something you know, manageable. But typically, typically they're they're going to be the dog. These really bad pitchers, so you're actually playing the favorites yes. in these cases. Yes, and also looking over the total, which is contrary to the old school. And this is a recurring conversation we have. Old school wise guys say, play the dog, play the under. You're saying because of the number of teams out there, when you are have the very worst starting pitchers out there, you're not afraid to be laying the favorite and playing the over. I know some of these old school guys, and I know uh, I know particularly one dog and under player, and he's he's gone broke the last few years playing dog and under. And most of these old school guys uh, don't know how to get on a computer. I mean, you got to change your thinking. You got to move with the times, and and we have a tendency uh, to maybe uh, overanalyze. But you see an Adam Eaton and a guy like these guys are so bad, you just fade them. And, and, and uh, I mean, great point. And, and to try to simplify, you know, I was just uh, hearing an Einstein quote. They were saying anyone with any intelligence can make something more complicated, but it takes real genius or brilliance to make something simple. And I think we should always strive for simplicity. And one of the things I think we're taking away, in a way these podcasts are like an ongoing discussion that this time next year we will have fleshed out even more of these concepts that we believe in. And to me, one of the concepts is how do you take away the good elements of the old school wise guy approach and then how do you update it for the 21st century? And to me, I, I can't think of any better mission for pregame.com is for us collectively to try to do that. Okay, Mark. Um, to continue one thing on a point that you asked VR question is do you look at the bullpen and say, hey, the, the closers play, you know, gone a couple days in a row? Where we haven't talked about is totals. And looking at the bullpen is a very good way to help you handicap over-unders. And where I'm going to look at is the starters. If you have a team that their starters got shelled early, like two, three games in a row, that they had to go to the bullpen early, now you got an overworked bullpen. And where you have the situation, like VR said, is sometimes they'll leave a guy out there to take one for the team. You know, if a team, if the bullpen's overworked and they need, the, you know, they need to get six six innings out of the starter, no matter what, just to give the bullpen a rest, that's the time to look to an over. 
because somebody's going to be the sacrificial lamb in some instances. That's a great point. It's a definite handicapping factor is fatigue rating for closers and, and top setup guys. If closers work two, three games in a row where he's going to be unavailable to close, or if he's pitched maybe two games in a row with a high pitch count, he's probably going to be unavailable. And and it would strike me that's not, you know, you Stephen, something you've communicated is with all the action out there, the odds maker, which again is not this mythical group, but it's a handful of guys in a small office, these guys aren't able to dig into that level of detail typically day to day. That's correct. They're making the numbers the night before, even before the game is over. You know, they're getting like a ballpark number. And it's it's mainly the you know, the starting pitching, but you put in these peripherals like uh closer fatigue rating, umpires, uh uh, fielding, you know, maybe keep your own fielding ratings. Watch the game. It's not necessarily how many errors, but how much range some of these people have. I uh, alluded to it in one of my write-ups uh, uh, why I liked actually the Nationals when they beat the the Braves. I liked Jordan Zimmerman, and uh, I did not like Atlanta's defense behind Derek Lowe, a sinker ball pitcher. Did not like their infield defense. Uh, Chipper Jones particularly is brutal. He has no range. And I think these are things that, that you can pick up by, by watching and reading a lot. Okay, so any closing thoughts? And specifically, I only want to hear things that our listeners can take away and actually be betting off of these uh, concepts. I just want to elaborate one thing on Stephen and ask you a question. When you talk about ranges of infields and so forth, do you change that whenever you've got a game that's on grass versus on uh, artificial? Because everybody knows that on an artificial surface, the game's faster, so your range isn't, you know... The ball's going to get to the hole quicker. Yeah, I I don't go that far with it. I just figure, I just know if a guy doesn't have much range, he's going to be, maybe he'll be helped a little bit uh, on artificial turf. But like, uh, well, he's retired now, but Jeff Kent, he wasn't going to get to any ball if it was hit to, you know, two feet to the right or left of him. And, Actually, it would be the other way. He would be helped on grass. Yeah. The grass mm-hmm. would be the yeah. slower. Mm-hmm. Because there's more reaction time on grass. Right. Okay, and and again, th- th- this is this is a great conversation. And if you find those teams uh, that you know, when you talk to the baseball guys that really dig into the stats, one of the things the last few years they've done more of is how do you quantify and qualify fielding? It's easy with on you know, twenty years ago it was about batting average and home runs. It's evolved since then, and there's a lot of really advanced hitting statistics. But now the question is, how do you quantify and qualify fielding? And, and I think there's been real advancements with that. And if you identify a team that can't field but can hit, you can really look towards the over. And then, then you can look towards them being in a bad situation against certain other types of teams. It depends, RJ, um, really on the type of pitcher. Like in, in Lowe's case, it's a sinker baller. You need to have uh, infield with range. Some of these guys, like a, a guy pitching uh, – uh, today, John Maine for the Mets. He's a fly ball pitcher. What kind of outfield defense do you have? Do these guys have range in the outfield? So it's entirely a, a, upon the starting pitcher. This is why you really have to know the tendencies of the starting pitcher. Then you can really uh, tweak your fielding ratings. Yeah, I agree. And that's what it comes down to. What kind of pitcher is on the mound for you? Because if he's a finesse pitcher, he's going to get some balls in play. If he's a power pitcher, he could win the game for you single-handedly a strikeout pitcher where a finesse pitcher a pitcher that's going to allow balls to go and play you need a defense behind you and I actually 100% agree there with Steven just because uh, a big name pitchers on the mound you need to be aware of what type of pitcher he is whether he's a finesse pitcher or a dominant pitcher all right Steven that was such a good point 
I really like that. I mean, seriously, it's, I wrote it down. I, I actually take notes every show here and compile them. Is That is, and, and again, VR backed it up, but that was such a great point, is when you define these fil- fielders, the type of pitcher is going to tell you how important it is, and that's something overnight the lines makers aren't thinking about. You always got to, like, like we said with trends, you got to have theories and trends that the general public has not yet embraced. Well, I'll just amplify it by saying if you're serious about baseball handicapping, uh, now this is a marathon, but if you're serious about it, you can't just be looking at box scores. You got to get the satellite package, you got to watch as many games as you can because there's so much that that the box score can't tell you. It can't tell you. It might show a hit, but what kind of hit was it? Was it a dribbler? Was it a solid hit? Likewise, if a guy's maybe 0 for 4, what if he hit three-line drives? So you really need to, to watch the games and watch as many as you can. Or you find a pregame pro that does, and then you let them do all the work. <laughs> all right, any closing comments on baseball? Um, complexions of teams. You know, Texas coming into the season, everybody knew that they were going to have a potent lineup. They were going to be scoring runs, but their starting pitching was and mediocre <laughs> and no bullpen. And Vegas knew that too, but they haven't. You can only set these over unders at certain numbers. So far, they've only had two unders for the entire season for Texas so far. Texas is another historically uh, talking July and August when it starts really getting hot there. You cannot set a total high enough. You know, those Texas games are all going to go over. I'm a little surprised they're going over so much already, but especially when it gets hot there in Arlington. Really good point, Marco. VR, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, just the, not to jump to conclusions with these teams, because like we said when we started out the, the, with this seg- segment, um, none of these teams are more than two and a half, three games back of, of being in first place. So you can't draw conclusions this early on. Which there could be some real value if you find the teams that short term have done poorly, but there's no fundamental reason for them to do poorly. The lines maker may overreact too quick, and you can find some real value because of the luck factor. Right now, you know, a lot of these teams have lost because of the luck factor comes into play, and which means there's value. Absolutely. Okay, so now remember, we're going to be continuing this conversation in the pregame forums. Jump in and, and contribute, and we're going to be back with segment number three, which is free picks. All right, guys, back segment number three of three. This is the April 22nd show. This is, for many, the favorite segment of the podcast, the free pick section. Uh, Vegas Runner specifically has been real hot. Seven out of eight winners here. Actually lost last week after seven straight. Okay, now typically we have a question of the week here, and I'm going to tell you we're not going to have a question of the week because I'm not happy with the amount of feedback we're getting in the forums. Remember, you can jump in this thread, Ask us any question you want, and uh, the best question each week we usually will pull out and answer fully in this third segment. So get in those forums and be part of the show. Okay. We also, though, we're not going to take away your coupon because we know many of you guys love it. And, uh, again, we're ecstatic the way the show's going. We're spending more time on it, buying better equipment, and uh, it's something we think is going to get bigger and bigger. And uh, the coupon's a nice little way of us thanking you guys for listening. So, Marco, tell us about the coupon. Well, we're going to give you a coupon, as we always do. It's going to be for $10. You'll take this coupon, go to the shopping cart. When you check out, there'll be a place for you to enter your coupon code. And since... RJ has had so much fun with his soundboard. We're going to make the coupon sound 10, just the word sound and the number 10. And that's going to get you $10 
off your sales. Put whatever you want in the shopping cart. You'll get $10 off your order, and that coupon is a one-time-use coupon. Good through Monday. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. He loves those sounds, I'll tell you. All right, so that's at the when you're actually in the checkout, there's a coupon section. You plug it in, you get 10 bucks off. Very simple. And you guys have uh, really been taking advantage of that. We think it's awesome. And remember, that's at pregamepros.com. Now, Marco, who, um, for those who aren't going to pros every day, who's the hottest capper right now? Well, right now we've got uh, a two-headed monster in uh, Rocky Atkinson. Uh, you know, the hockey playoffs are going on. And I know we got a lot of hockey fans on the forums. And we really don't talk hockey on the show, but... Rocky Atkinson is up over 138 units on the year in hockey, and he is documented number one at the Sports Monitor with hockey. So if you're playing any hockey, definitely check out Rocky. And as I always say, you don't have to like betting hockey to bet hockey. All you need to do is like to make money, and Rocky's doing that. And his baseball is off to an 11-3 and start. So a real nice one-two punch for Rocky. Congratulations with his run. Awesome, awesome. And, but the coupon's good for any any pick. Any capper. Okay, so let's get straight to the freebies, more freebies. Vegas Runner, 7-1, and one, killing the fights in general. Tell us about your freebie and anything coming up this week. Uh, well, this week for the free pick, I'm going to give a NASCAR uh, winner. I, I really like this week's race in Talladega, and I'm going to hold off for the fight of the week because uh, this week we have a big fight Saturday night, and I might upgrade it to a fight of the month, actually. I like the fight that much. Just trying to get, locate a little more information because unlike the fights here in Vegas, this one's in Connecticut, so I need to make more calls. It's just not right here. Um, so you actually sold a best bet fight last week. Yeah, the UFC, we called Chuck Liddell, will not win that fight at plus 175. My man Shogun knocked him out in the first round. And you put him into retirement. Yeah, I, what I said in my write-up, I saw the best Chuck Liddell 18 months ago, and I saw him in front of my eyes just become another fighter, and, and I was just waiting for a nice big plus money to go against them. And this uh, big fight of the month potentially is going to be available at pregame pros. Yes, sir. Between Jermaine Taylor and uh, the middleweight champ, Frock, coming from England. for uh, It's a big fight. I'm glad Showtime bought it, and they're finally going to telecast it live and free. All right, so let's get to the freebie. Let's get to it. NASCAR. This one's in Talladega. Finally, eight races are complete, and we've seen every type of track run, so now it becomes a little more predictable. This is a restrictor plate race on a super speedway, only the second of the season. Up until last year, Chevy's owned restrictor place rates, races. That's all you had to handicap, find a Chevy and bet it. Last year, that changed. We saw Dodge and Toyota win three of the four restrictor plate races. And the first one this year in Daytona, Ford took it. So I think the game's changed, and the odds makers have not caught up with that yet. So what we're going to do is back two drivers this week. First, the best plate racer without a win on super speedways, Las Vegas' own Kurt Busch, sitting at third in points. I just got plus 13 to 1 on him. He should be about a 6 to 1 dog. Uh, so the Miller Lite Blue Deuce, I'm going to back him for a unit at 13 to 1. And then we've seen Tony Stewart finally coming around. And I was reading on NASCAR.com, he says he could just taste it. The wind's coming. He's just where he needs to be in the season. He's sitting fourth in points. So I think both of them, you could back them for a unit each. Stewart will get you 11 to 1 on your dollar. Kurt will get you 13 to 1 on your dollar. I think they're two good bets going into this race. 
you know, there might be a, a new industry on online where they actually, when you get into these rants, is they actually will break it down and put the actual uh, words at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> but remember, you can always rewind. But uh, you see the passion and, and, and the wealth of knowledge. Great. Uh, uh, VR, it's funny. Usually guys are into the main sports, football, basketball, baseball, or the alternative sports. VR lives this day, and I always dream of him, or I always envision him two thirty in the morning watching soccer, and and, and you know calling in like a halftime. Be close. <laughs> All right, great stuff. Okay, so next up, we're going to go to Stephen. Uh, Stephen, w- what do you want to give our listeners? Well, first, I have to marvel at VR's versatility: uh, <laughs> baseball, basketball, mixed martial arts, and now NASCAR. Wow. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to actually take a a little uh, change of pace here, too, and go with an NFL draft prop, if you can find one. I've heard this one is available. Uh, There's an over-under on how many quarterbacks will be taken in the first round. The over-under is two and a half. There's going to be two for sure, and I see a third quarterback being taken. You're going to have the USC quarterback. You're going to have the Georgia quarterback. Those are obvious. The third one that is going to be taken is Kansas State's uh, Josh Freeman. He will go in the first round. He could go to the Jets. So I think this is an, an easy prop winner over two and a half quarterbacks to go in the first round. Okay, and what kind of lay have we seen on that? Uh, I Somebody told me about this, uh, RJ. I, I'll get around to uh, checking all the places. They should start putting up uh, NFL draft props since it's uh, Saturday. They should start putting them up in the next day or two. And remember, to find all the sports books that, that we trust, go to pregameaction.com, and uh, you actually get double a double bonus there. And, and uh, oftentimes with these props that not everyone has, having multiple outs has value, not to mention all the half points you gain during the year, which is, is a massive value. Okay, thanks, Stephen. Marco, you're you're five and three right now. Five and three, and I got a couple uh, future plays out there pending. Okay, so what are you giving us this week? I'm going to go to the NBA. I'm going to be traditional and give you an NBA playoff pick, and I'll go for Thursday. Uh, it's going to be Game Three of the Dallas Maverick San Antonio series, and I am going to go with the under in this game. They're going back to Dallas. The series is tied at one-one. The most important game I feel of a series is game three whenever you're tied at 1-1. You know, it's become a best-of-five series. This is a game so often that the team that wins this game goes on and wins the series. I think you're going to see San Antonio again try to dictate the tempo in this game, take Dallas out of the running game. And being the veteran team that San Antonio is, I think they're going to be able to accomplish that. I see a low-scoring, tight game tomorrow night, and I'm going to go under in this game for my freebie. Okay, okay. And this is a a, a Thursday game? It's a Thursday game. Okay. Now, typically, as you guys know, I don't handicap very much. (coughs) Excuse me. What I do do is listen to the pros here in Vegas and the guys I'm connected to. And uh, something they've been preaching to me, two of them, two baseball guys, are telling me how good this Marlins pitching staff is, the starters especially. And it's funny, on the forums, and again, I've been preaching, let's continue the conversation in the forums, one of our main posters has been talking about playing series prices, where you say it's a three-game series, you can bet which team is going to win at least two of these games. 
So to me, what I've been looking to do is playing, when you've got that consistency in pitching, is playing on this Florida team to win these three-game series. And uh, so I would say in the next couple weeks before the lines maker catches up, uh, that that's something that I would recommend to really look towards playing on Florida in, with the series price. Uh, and, and typically those are going to be odd number games. The three-game series is where it works, the, uh, where they have those props. You won your free pick last week. Let's give you let's give you props. You said take Cleveland in the first game. Oh, that was easy. That was easy. The uh, and it, it felt good. Actually, I was watching that game pretty closely. It felt good because it really did. There wasn't value there. We talked about it. The number was eleven and a half, twelve. That wasn't. I looked at the game opening about ten. So, but again, when you sometimes you guys talked about it with Texas. Sometimes you just can't. The lines maker can't put the right number up, even though it's the obvious side. And, and that's the way to go when you can find those spots. All right, well, listen, this has been a really good show. We're going to continue the conversation at pregameforums.com. And remember, each week what we do here is we talk about upcoming games and we teach you how to handicap any game. And we'll be back next week.